Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Greg Peterson here, and welcome to the 332nd episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Is your resolution this year to have a healthier diet and grow some of your own vegetables? Starting your own garden doesn't need to be a challenge. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or visit IWANTTOGARDEN.COM and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. Today on our podcast, we have someone who cares about her community and their vegetable gardens. We're talking with Barb Masoner about growing food locally. Barbara's background is in environmental studies. Her first garden was a 4-H project in the fifth grade. Thanks to her many gardening mentors, including her great-grandfather, she has found gardening rewarding, fun, and inspirational. In 2009, she was one of the founders of Grow Local Colorado, or GLC. Since then, GLC has grown over 23,000 pounds of fresh produce for dozens of Denver's communities in need. Each grow season, Barbara oversees some 400 volunteers at 10 garden sites. Many of those volunteers are young people. Her goal is to see as many fresh vegetable gardens in Denver as there were in Victory Garden days during the World War II era. Welcome to the show today, Barb. Are you ready to rock? You bet. Sweet. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? You bet. My undergraduate was in environmental studies because I was concerned even way back in the dark ages about where our environment was headed. Mm-hmm. And then I went in, ran the Vail Nature Center for 10 years, basically sharing information with people about the importance of the environment, the animals, the insects, the plants mm-hmm. of the environment and why they should be concerned. And from there, then I went to law school and specialized in environmental law. And wow. It's just all these different steps that people take. And you have a different idea when you originally get into each one of those fields. And you know, life has some interesting turns. And I just happened to meet a group of people called Sprouts here in Denver, which stood for Sustainable People Reaching Out for Urban Transition. Wow. And they were looking for a project 
and I suggested that we do a victory garden at the governor's mansion because we wanted a project to show the community this is the way we're going to transition into a more sustainable economy and community. Right. And they all thought that was a good idea, tried contacting the governor, didn't work out, but then Mayor Hickenlooper, who now is our governor, he said, hey, why don't you do it in one of our city parks? Which was even better because that puts us front and center. You don't have to go to the governor's mansion. Right. You just go to a park and you see him. So that's how we started out. And 10 years later, we're still going and we're strong. Wow. So talk to me about Grow Local Colorado. This sounds like a project that we could do in Arizona or California or Minnesota for that matter. Definitely. The, the whole idea is having gardens in public places because they're more visible. People who are visiting, say, Civic Center Garden, which is the premier garden in the Denver Park system. We have two vegetable gardens there, and there's so many times people have walked by and they said, oh, we didn't even notice that there were vegetables (laughs) there. So they're beautiful, but then people will stop there with their children or people from around the world and they're just amazed that we're growing vegetables, that it looks beautiful and that we're sharing with people in our in our community that need those healthy pro that healthy produce. So it's a great way to get the word out and it's just a matter of knowing who to contact in your city to to kind of get your foot in that door. Mm-hmm. But most people who have seen that last summer, for instance, I was working at our Civic Center Garden. A woman stopped by. She was so excited. She said, I'm going to take this idea home to me in California. So yeah, we all have growing seasons. They're all different times of the year, but the more public space that we put into produce, the the better off we're all going to be. Oh yeah, no kidding. So I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball at you, and I want you to kind of think about the Grow Local Colorado process that you've gone through over the, did you say 10 years? Yes. This, this season will be our 10th year. Wow. All right, cool. So think about Grow Local Colorado over the last 10 years. And, and what was that one moment, that one person, that one happening, that one thing that occurred that when you think back, it moves you to tears maybe? It was the, oh my gosh, this is the reason that I'm doing this. Have you got one of those for us? I think I do. So we were in Civic Center Park Again, that's kind of the heart of of Denver. I was there with Return Peace Corps volunteers. They're our main volunteers at that site. Uh We were weeding away. A young woman came up with her two children and all of a sudden noticed it was vegetables. We happened to be harvesting some carrots, and both kids said, carrots grow in the dirt. And we washed them off, and we said, you've never had a carrot that is this good. And your listeners know this because they grow their own food. Yeah. And the difference between a carrot you just pulled out of the ground and one that you get at the store that's been pre-cut and wrapped and all that stuff, there's no comparison. And to see those children's eyes, just it's like, wow, can we do this, Mom? Yeah. And and that's what it's about, to, to inspire the next generation, that growing your own food there's just so many wonderful benefits. Oh, yeah. Well, let's talk about some of those. What What are the benefits of growing our own food? You know, I think that your listeners probably know all of these, but recaps are, are never bad, especially when the consequences are as big as they are right now. And one of that is that plants eat up lots of carbon, and we've got to get oh, yes. rid of, you know, our carbon footprint. So mm-hmm. the more that we're growing out there, 
the less carbon that there's going to be. The next is that it cools the cityscape. Again, more plants mean that you have less hardscape, which oh, right. just concentrates that heat. And you know that probably even more so in Phoenix. Oh, yes. We need to start cooling that. And with everybody else warming up, you know, we, we are a little bit behind, but, you know, this is a way to, to catch up. Local food decreases the number of miles that food travels. So you're cutting back that that initial carbon footprint, mm -hmm. but also because it is so much fresher, it hasn't traveled across the country for over a week, mm -hmm. it's going to stay fresher longer. That A lot of people are so amazed that, you know, lettuce that we give them, it lasts a lot longer. Oh, yeah. You know, you get something at the store, it lasts you a few days. When you get something fresh from a garden, it's going to last you a couple of weeks in your refrigerator. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It means by concentrating growing in the city, there's less that we have to change into agriculture on the outskirts of our cities. Unfortunately, Denver is just growing leaps and bounds. We keep moving further and further out into natural areas. We need those natural areas for the beneficial insects, mm -hmm. for the birds, for, yeah, you know, the list goes on and on why we have to preserve those green belts around our cities. Yeah. Plus the food's more nutrient dense when we're getting oh it ripe. Gosh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, those carrots we pulled out of the ground, gave those little kids, that probably was the most trish, nutritious bite that they ever had. Yeah. Because it was fresh. And then with Denver, we've been told that we're the most food insecure city in the nation. As wow. As big cities go. Uh-huh. And that's because it, and we all know, there's a lot of natural disasters out there that can quickly change our availability, at the, you know, use of interstates and all that. Oh, so, yeah. you know, all it takes is one earthquake, one blizzard, one wildfire, and that access to fresh food isn't going to be coming in. So if we can grow our own, we're going to be much better off. Yeah. I had something interesting happen recently here at the urban farm. I had a friend stop by and I harvested some Cara Cara navel oranges for her and I handed them to her and she, you know, went on her merry way. And late that evening, I got this text from her and she said, oh my gosh, Greg, what were those that you gave me? I said, those are Cara Cara navels. And she said in her, in her reply, she said, I've eaten Cara Cara navels. They don't taste like that. And I said, the ones that are grown in good, healthy soil in my yard absolutely taste like that. You know, so when we grow our own food, it is amazingly more tasty. And I, I'm sure you've found that. Oh, my good gosh. Yes. Especially the gardens that we have a little bit more control over. Mm -hmm. So the city parks, you know, they, they want to do their maintenance and all that and what, how they tend the soil. But for those where we get to put compost that we made ourselves, put that into the soil, there is a, a distinct difference in flavor. Yeah. So you just know when you bite into that and you have all those wonderful flavors that you just have a mouthful of really good nutrients. Right. Right. Wow. So let's talk about Grow Local Colorado a bit. How many gardens do you have? So this season, we right now are at nine. We're in negotiations for a potential 10th. So mm -hmm. we're always in flux. For instance, last year, we started out with 11. And because we have a few that are in people's backyards, they sold their properties and we lost the gardens halfway through the season. Mm -hmm. So it's, it just kind of comes and goes and it all works out. How big are the gardens? Are they, you know, like one 10 by 10 plot or are they, you know, a half acre? And again, huge difference. Our smallest garden is probably Observatory Park. And I'd say that is 30 feet by probably by 20 feet. Well, that's a significant size garden. Yeah, and it, 
it does produce a lot, but our biggest one is we've got three plots there, and I'd say all total, it's probably, oh, 100 feet by probably 60 feet. Wow. So, And that one, huge producer. Yeah. So we're not talking huge gardens here to be able to produce tens of thousands of pounds of food. No. No. In fact, one of our gardens is in the person's backyard. It's probably a quarter of his backyard and mm-hmm. even that. And that one last year produced 800 pounds. Wow. It, and all that takes is a few squash plants, right? But no, really, that's all kinds of different things that add up to 800 pounds. Exactly. So one of the things that I like talking about is this notion of lack, L-A-C-K, and where it lives in the world. And I have determined that lack only lives in our minds, between our ears, because when I look at my garden, when I look at my fruit trees, when I look at my squash plants, as you mentioned earlier, there, there is such an amazing amount of abundance. And have you found that? Oh, so much so. It just always amazes me that these little gardens produce as much food as they do. Yeah. And all it takes is a little attention, a mm-hmm. little love, and the, the plants definitely, you know, they, they've been evolving for thousands and thousands, more than that, of years, and you know, look what they produce for us. Yeah, no kidding. An amazing amount of abundance. So what do you attribute Grow Local Colorado's success to? Our success is volunteers. Hmm. We have, we've grown, we started out with five people that were tending the one garden and Civic Center, and we have grown to... 400 volunteers. That's amazing. Congratulations, by the way. Oh my gosh. You know, when it, when I say that, it's just like, that can't be true. And I go back and do the numbers. It's like, yeah, that's true. And we have 50 core volunteers mm-hmm. that are spread out over our 10 gardens and they are the heart of it. Oh yes. So they basically ensure that those gardens look good and are tended because as gardeners, we all know, if you don't pay <laughs> attention to your garden, it's not going to pay attention to you. So, exactly. Yeah. So without the volunteers, we would not be where we are with having gardens in city parks the big thing is obviously they want those to look good if they look weedy if they look unkempt if there's trash or whatever going on in there we're not going to be able to keep those gardens right. no those volunteers are essential to us being able to do what we do well i have personal experience with volunteers and knowing the power of them especially with so many you know at 400 that's that's really an army of people to help you develop your gardens it is, and you need an army to take care of that many gardens. Yeah. And it's amazing of those volunteers, some of those come from businesses that I have no idea how they heard about Grow Local. Mm. They'll just call me out of the blue and say, hey, we're looking for a project to do. And as you know, with a garden, there's always a project to do. <laughs> of course. Yeah, so it's, it's fabulous that word is getting out about what we do. And people are so excited to get outside. And they just love the idea that their employees get to be outside. Yeah. They get to be doing something fun. And then they get to take that to a community in need because we really want our volunteers to experience that, taking food into a, a soup kitchen or mm-hmm. to a food pantry. Yeah. Especially if the clients are there because when I take food into the local food pantry, the the people are so grateful that one elderly woman, she saw me walking in with a huge bag of fresh greens and she said, you know, honey, I haven't seen greens like that since I was a little girl helping my grandmother in her garden. And she said she was going to take some of those home and fix those for her grandchildren. Wow. Yeah. How cool is that? And if you give those volunteers that experience, which is so rewarding, you know, they're going to come back. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, 
how you overcame that ferry and what you might have learned from it. So what comes to mind is we had this great idea to partner with a local youth shelter. The staff thought this was going to be a great idea. The kids could grow their own food. It would be great therapy for the kids. The kids mm-hmm. could actually taste fresh produce. Doesn't that sound like a fabulous part? Oh, yeah. It's, I'm there. We got lots of volunteers, super excited, helped us out, and grew gardens there. We we did this for four years at this youth shelter, and seldom, if ever, would the kids come out and help out with the gardens. Hmm. And finally, the lesson learned from this, because the kids, you know, they, they have so many other things going on right. in their life. Mm-hmm. A, a youth shelter is triage, that you're just trying to stop whatever trauma is going on. Yeah. And so, you know, this great idea, if we had listened to what the kids really wanted, they wanted flower garden. They could care less about a vegetable garden. Oh, interesting. Isn't that, though? And so, you know, I said, I'm sorry, we don't we do not do flowers. I don't know that much about that. So their staff took over the next year and went back, saw the flower gardens beautiful. So it, it goes to show that you got to listen to what other people really yeah. are saying, what they really want, because... Yep. If you just go in and say, hey, urban farming, urban gardening, best idea ever, and you don't listen to other people, well, it's not going to work because you really have to have people buy in. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like you planted some seeds that continue on, continued on after you left. Exactly. We did transform that site. I mean, we provided really good organic soil that probably was great for those flowers. <laughs> but, exactly. Yeah, it was vegetables. And maybe, maybe vegetables will kind of work their way back in there. Mm-hmm. So what do you consider your biggest success? I would say the fact that we have made it 10 years. I never thought when we started oh, out, wow. if somebody said, you know, this is going to go on for 10 years. Oh, no, it's not. But the fact that it has grown and it has grown a community. Mm-hmm. At each one of our garden sites, we have that core group of volunteers. And so many of them have established these great friendships, not just between themselves, but also one of our gardens is at a rehab facility for women with addiction issues. And it's so wonderful to see that interaction. Mm-hmm. So I would say the biggest success is of all those people that I now call my friends. It's, it's, it's been such a rewarding experience. Bringing people together around food. Imagine that. What a simple idea. Huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what drives you? You know, originally I became involved with this community, this movement, because of my growing concerns over the environmental issues, which are so dire. Mm-hmm. But I have to admit, I'm a shallow person. I really love the kudos that I get when I go <laughs> and work in gardens. Yeah. You know, people passing by and saying, oh, this is absolutely beautiful. What a great idea. Or fellow gardeners saying, hey, have you tried you know, doing this with your lettuce? Or, you know, it's just it's such... A rewarding experience. As you know, when you are part of this strong community, there are just so many benefits from that. Oh, yeah. So if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? And that is a really hard question because there are so many good books out there. But I would have to say one that comes to mind is Farm City by Novella Carpenter, a young woman who transformed an Mm -hmm. empty lot in the middle of Oakland into a beautiful garden. And on top of that, she raised this huge hog. And it was so inspirational that in a rough city like Oakland, she'd ride her bike around to get a lot of the stuff that she needed for her (laughs) garden. And, you know, her chasing Uh down this huge pig down a street in Oakland because he got away. It was just, it was fun. 
it was informative, interesting. So I would recommend if somebody needs a good book to curl up with. Excellent. And what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Know your talents and your gifts and find a way to share them in your community. And it took me several tries mm-hmm. to figure out the perfect fit. And, and in a way, that perfect fit found me. Mm-hmm. But each time that I volunteered for a different organization or a different project, I learned something. So even if you don't find the right fit of ri- originally, you're going to find it. And it's so rewarding to be able to to share what you can do well, definitely. We all know that it's easy to say, yeah. oh, you know, that didn't work and just not try it again. But the, the rewards are so significant. So, yeah, definitely don't give up. And de- there definitely is a place for your gifts and your talents. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Barb. Greg, this has been a huge honor. I so appreciate what you're doing. Yeah, we, we are part of an important movement. Big time. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? Go to our website, growlocalcolorado.org, one word. There will be a contact box. Just click on that, enter information, and I'll get right back with people. Perfect. You can find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash grow local Colorado. We are your urban farming resource. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Also visit urbanfarm.org to find articles, podcasts, webinars, courses, and more. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Is your resolution this year to have a healthier diet and grow some of your own vegetables? Starting your own garden doesn't need to be a challenge. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or visit IWantToGarden.com and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, Hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago. Then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's denalicanning.com forward slash free.